0: I'm here with uh, Barbara Tavares. We had you on the show uh, yesterday, and uh, you're from the Shalom community, and you're Brazilian. And you've had a, you hinted at your own personal story. You're in your mid-20s, and you, you know, you're, you're discerning consecrated life. And so I just wanted to ask you maybe about your own journey, um, how you came to, to grow in your faith, be more devout.
1: Thank you for welcoming me here, Father, and for all those who are listening right now. Sorry for my broken English. (laughs) I hope uh, you can understand me well. It's been two months I'm living in the US right now, but I mean, I've been raised Catholic, um, 26 nowadays. I was raised up Catholic, but I mean, there was a time in my life I was going to church just because my mom wanted me to go to the church and my family somehow was like saying that I should go. But it was not something that I, I loved to go, that I expected to go.
0: But you would go every Sunday.
1: I would go every, every Sunday. Sunday. And I wasn't, I, I, I think I, I was, until my confirmation, I was going confidently. And uh, although I was not like very, as I said, very uh, enthusiastic about going to church, I was going to church. And I was thinking after my confirmation, I will, I think I I'll stop going to church or I will go whenever I can. I thought it was good for me to go to church, but just maybe because I thought I was maybe closer to God, but this was not an idea that I had fixed in my mind and my heart. So, okay, Sunday is sometimes it's difficult. I want to go out. I want to do something different. Um, and I need to go to church. I need to wake up early, or I need to go in the afternoon. And I wanted to do something out, and I didn't want to go to church because of of that. It was preventing me to do something in my mind at that time. Then um, let me
0: ask: you, Were you like a good student growing up?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a good student. I was not the smartest of the of the classroom. Uh, but I was a good student. Because
0: you have a gift for languages, right? You speak five or six languages. Yeah, would, father.
1: I, I would, but I studied a lot for that. <laughs> it was not. Sometimes people think I, I was. I came. I came out with this gift. Yeah, and simply like yeah, that. But <laughs>
0: yeah, you worked at it.
1: Actually, I studied a lot for it. I uh-huh. uh, began with English when I was twelve, and then mm. started studying other languages. Mm. And it's interesting, Father. You ask that because also related related to faith. When I've had an experience with God, I had my experience with God uh, through Shalom Catholic Community when I was sixteen. When I had my experience with God, I felt God loves me, God cares for me, He forgives me. Also, the language as I learned, the the studies, I the little studies I had uh, became a source of. Uh, a mean, actually, a a means to help people to get to know God. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, in my small uh, offering, uh, through English, through speaking Italian, French, Spanish, uh, my native language, Portuguese, uh, I could bring God to other cultures. And I felt like every language I learn, I feel the Lord is sending me to these Mm. people.
0: Mm. Beautiful. So,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. I could have my experience with God when I was 16 and uh, by an invitation of my mom. Actually, it was a, a, a difficult moment. My, my mom was about to get divorced of my father mm. and my grandmother said, Barbara, you should accompany your mom more in her life journey because she feels alone. It's difficult for her. And I said, OK, what should I do? And my mom mm. just went to church and worked. So I already went to church with her, but I didn't go to the prayer groups of Shalom community at that time. Uh, And then I was going just to accompany her. And Mm. then it turned out that I was also, I felt the presence of God through a youth group that I participated, and I felt like the experience of a family community. And I also wanted to know more about God from that time on.
0: Mm. And your parents did get a divorce? Mm. Unfortunately,
1: yes. But uh, yeah, I, I at least I could have this experience of uh, through something bad, God does God God can do something good Right, right. Uh, through sin through our weaknesses, uh-huh. and I experience this every day in my life. God can do something good to me, to the others, and
0: yeah, yeah. And what so you went? You accompanied your mom, and what did you find at these? These were Shalom community. Prayer group and yeah, and what was it that struck you touched you called you spoke to you <laughs>
1: Yeah, First of all uh, When I arrived the, we called the coordinators of the prayer group like the shepherds the shepherds came to me and They invited me to the group in Shalom. We have a snack bar to evangelize people who do not feel very attracted to church we have the snack bar where people can feel comfortable even mm-hmm. if they're not from the church they can find a place. I was thinking about going just to the snack bar <laughs> and staying there while my mom's group was finished.
0: Now they, serve, I, sandwiches yeah, they serve sandwiches and cookies and stuff.
1: Exactly, mm. with the names of the Bible, like Mount Zion, mm. uh, Magnificat, the names mm. of the sandwiches, and we can ask what that means, and we right, explain. Right. And I was like waiting there in one of these snack bars of Shalom in Fortaleza, in my hometown, uh and these girls came to me and they invited me to the group mm-hmm. but i didn't feel it was just an invitation for me to be part of something one more person i felt like from their eyes i could see like a joy they were very enthusiastic and their smile was so radiant and i was like okay i think they're talking about something good right. i'll give it a try i don't know if mm-hmm. i will commit myself but i'll give a try as i'm already here and then I went to the group, the moment of prayer, it was a charismatic prayer with songs, uh, people was were raising their arms, it was kind of weird for me, but uh, I could not deny that I felt something different that moment. Uh, I felt something in my heart, a peace within my heart, like I felt uh, even some goosebumps and What's going on? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I had many questions about God, about the church, uh, doubts and criticism uh, that I had. But I could not deny that I felt something in that moment in my heart, the love of God for me. And um, then we had moments that we had a talk about a specific theme and moments of sharing. And I saw many young adults. There were like 40 young adults in this group. It was a beginner's group. Uh, and they were very different from one another. And I was like, oh, this this is interesting. They're very different, different ages, different backgrounds, different, uh, some studies, some work, but all of them are living an experience of God. And I was like, this attracted me. And I I, I think I'm coming on vacation, I thought. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was committed to go on vacation. And then I was, until the end of vacation, I could, okay, I'll come. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I, I'm here now as a missionary. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: I was caught <laughs>
0: <laughs> in the net, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and did you go to college? I don't remember what you said on that. Did you? Yes, it, Father.
1: Uh, I, I studied English at university. Okay. I studied for two years. Uh-huh. But in the middle of my studies, I felt the call to be a missionary and to leave everything and to go on a mission. Okay, um, which was such a thing for my family. It w- like my mom wanted me to be in the church, then I was too much in the church, right, right. <laughs> and it was another thing. but nowadays, I mean she she's happy that yeah. I'm happy.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but I w- went to college for two years. I used to teach English and to um, and simple things, not very I, I did not get to work that much, and, uh, I mm-hmm. I couldn't because I wasn't graduated but I was like an English teacher for a few years while mm-hmm. I was studying because I studied previously on a language course, so I could also teach for private classes.
0: And right, mm-hmm. and then you you helped out uh, at Panama, right? Um, in yeah. preparation for World Youth Day.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, Panama was my third mission in the community. Mm. Uh, I was sent on a mission after my, we called Discipleship, what the church calls novitiate. Mm. Uh, I mean, in the different, it's almost the same thing, I guess. Mm. Um, And after this time of formation, I was sent on a mission to Panama, and I spent like one year and eight months, almost two years in Panama. The bishop, Monsignor Ulloa, invited a a few missionaries of our community to work at the local organizing committee of Odious Day.
0: That was your third mission, yes, what was your first two?
1: My first was in Rio de Janeiro uh in two thousand fifteen the year uh. I entered the community in my postulate year and um then I went on a mission uh, the mission house that is the formation house hmm. in the countryside of my state in brazil the, the countryside of Ceará, and then Panama okay.
0: And for Rio, I don't. when was the World Youth Day down there? What year was that?
1: It was in 2013. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. You were there, right?
0: I was there, yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was there, too. We didn't meet there. We met in Venom. <laughs> um, and what did you do on that first mission in Rio? Okay.
1: Yeah, my first mission was... Uh, we have a snack bar to evangelize. I was serving the snack bar and welcoming mm-hmm. the people who came mm-hmm. to have a snack. Mm-hmm. I was like serving the food, making some coffee, talking to the people. Mm-hmm. Then I had I was a shepherd of a prayer group to also lead other young adults to the, a way of, of formation, of experience of God, spiritual accompaniment. Every young adult was accompanied mm-hmm. and praying over them in a personal way and guiding their journey of faith. And the, the one I liked most, the ministry I liked most, was the evangelization at Christ the Redeemer.
0: You mm, know, the big statue mm-hmm. of
1: Christ. And uh, every weekend, uh, our community was responsible for the evangelization there. Okay. We used to go very early in the morning. It was very yeah. hard. The volunteer job, uh, not job, a volunteer activity that we made for together with the church, the sanctuary of Christ the Redeemer. And it was very interesting because thousands of pilgrims go there daily and we were sometimes four, five, six missionaries evangelizing, playing songs, welcoming Mm. the pilgrims. And there were Muslims, there were Hindus, there were Jews, there were Catholics, there were non-Catholics. And it was beautiful experience to pray the rosary together with them mm. to sing together with the jews sometimes for peace and some muslims asked us to pray for them it was beautiful too so it was a really christ was with his open arms to everyone right. and we felt pushed to yeah. to bring yeah. the people to his arms
0: yeah so just so people know that yeah, it's the big christ redeemer statue in rio it's i always say like rio it's got these beautiful like kind of almost like half egg shaped mountains of granite or stone or something. And it, to me, it always looks like, it looks like what I always imagined, like the jungle when I was growing up. You know, it's got that real, and I, I remember we took the, yeah, you know, you're right, it's up real steep hills and we rode up there, then you caught some other bus, but, because uh, I, I really much wanted to see the Amazon when I was there for World Youth Day. <laughs> that was about as close as I got to the jungle, but I thought it was just uh, beautiful and, and then they have a chapel on top. I didn't see they
1: do. Yeah, oh, they do. Uh, that's why it's called uh, everybody who goes to Christ the Redeemer is a mm-hmm. pilgrim because mm-hmm. it's a, there is a chapel up on the hill. Okay. Actually, it's the base of Christ the Redeemer. You see the Christ and there is a base of uh, of stone and right. you can enter it's the chapel of Our Lady of Aparecida. The patroness of, oh. of Brazil is Our Lady of Aparecida. Yeah uh that she appeared when the fishermen were fishing and they saw this image in the sea so she is a
0: uh, Yeah, didn't they like nation. in their nets didn't they pull up like half the statue and they cast the net it again and pulled up the other half uh Yeah, I uh,
1: I don't remember exactly yeah, how it yeah. worked but I know that they were in the moment of troubles and yeah. in the sea Right. And all of a sudden, the, the image comes, the the ah. little statue that right. maybe was coming with the Portuguese or the Spanish people who yeah. were coming at that right. time. Right. And it just fell in the sea and they, they saw this image. Mm. She was full of dust. Mm. Dust, I don't know how to call it.
0: Or mud or something. Mud, yeah. yeah.
1: Mm. And uh, that's why she's like, she's also black. People mm. say the black mm-hmm. lady. Because uh, she was full of mud Mm. and then they they could see like that Our Lady was guiding them, even though it was a moment, a difficult moment in the sea at that that moment they were fishing.
0: And would you like you would go to that shrine? Uh, you've been there many times or
1: I haven't been, there. Or haven't been there yeah because you know Brazil is so big yeah and actually when I was in Rio I could have gone because it was like three hours by car maybe mm-hmm. around that but for my city I'm up in the Northeast in yeah. Fortaleza so it's a uh, long trip yeah but I hopefully one day Yeah.
0: and we should say we just looked it up I think Brazil's 210 million people largest Catholic country in the world and you know the biggest country in South America and uh so it's a big big place <laughs>
1: it is it is indeed
0: have you ever been to the amazon or no i a have canoe been. ride or anything <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's not something so common that people do often. I don't know why. Maybe we don't give value sometimes to the things <laughs> we have in our own countries, right. which is a pity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, sometimes we don't have money to go to. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, people usually like when they want to go, they go to Rio, they go to Sao Paulo, when they want to go for a trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, but uh, we need to, when we go there, we need to organize the whole trip too. It's... Uh, you will you'll need a guide you need to know the boats. And yeah, stuff because it's a big deal. It's yeah. a big deal. Yeah.
0: yeah well, tell us maybe about the the church in general like your experience of Like the Brazilian expression of Catholicism, maybe some of the emphasis and mm-hmm. the teachings or the celebration the, mm-hmm. um, I mean we always in America, you know, we see like big parties and stuff uh, in Brazil and Very joyful people and I was down there. I thought it was very welcoming people Mm -hmm. and loved to You know have fun and you know, just a warm place Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe can you tell us some about the Catholicism there?
1: Yeah, sure Um, Yeah, thank God the church is alive in Brazil very alive, of course with the challenges we face our our people suffer a lot with poverty with street violence uh, robbery, right? Uh, but also in Brazil, we have many people full of gifts, full of talents, and people willing to do good. And in uh, amidst the challenges and the good things of the country, I believe the church, in its many, its many spheres, in its many vocations, somehow mm-hmm. tries to respond to the needs of the the society. It's so it's so challenging, but I I I'm glad that we see many. Many communities, movements, and congregations try to bring something up as well. Um. So we see like new movements, older movements, but all together as this beautiful garden that is the church trying to uh, bring people closer to God and complementing each other. So we can see a, a church full of young people. I mean, when I say this, it doesn't mean that everything is perfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. We see many young people in the drugs, people uh, not well with depression, with anxiety, but I mean, they can, so, if they want to find something, they, they will have something in the church. Uh, m- new movements like Cancel Nova. is a community that it, it can, it's very uh, engaged in the media. As well, uh, then Shalom Catholic community, then uh, other congregations, uh, the uh, in the church there. Um, yeah, somehow, I mean, I would say the the church is trying to respond uh, among the challenges to mm-hmm. to bring Christ as alive. Christ is alive, and ca- God can be experienced uh, in the Catholic Church in Brazil.
0: And maybe tell us about the the formation of. Uh, how Shalom community got started. That's a beautiful story in the 80s with Moises. Uh.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, it was a time of where the church in Brazil was suffering a little bit with some very radical thoughts on uh, communism, ideas, and uh, what's Liberation suffering. theology. Li- liberation yeah. theology. Mm-hmm. And Shalom was born in that time, together with the priests that were Moisés, as a founder of Shalom, was always very uh, one with the church, I'd say. But he was a young adult, was not very Catholic at a certain point of his life, and he was going to church just because his parents wanted him to go. Until there was a retreat, he participated in this retreat, someone prayed over him, and he could share with other priests, and then he had an experience with God. And he said, my problem before was like, I could not pray. Now my problem is that I cannot stop praying. (laughs) (laughs) And Moisés began, started to be a a man of prayer, a young man of prayer in his 16s, 17s, 18s. Then there was an occasion, Moisés was very involved with the youth ministry of of the Archdiocese of Fortaleza. And the bishop, uh, as Pope John Paul II was coming to Brazil to an Eucharistic Congress that happened in my city, in Fortaleza, the Pope, the, the bishops asked Moisés to give a gift to the Pope. And Moisés asked the bishop, what should I give to the Pope? I don't know what the Pope needs. Uh, and he said, Moisés, give whatever you want, whatever comes to your heart. And then Moisés went to pray and ask God what He should give to the Pope. And Moisés as a young man who wanted to evangelize his friends, his cousins, the people from his family, uh, he he didn't know how. He invited them to a mass, and the young people didn't want to come. Uh, and he invited them to other things of the church, and the people, the young people, were not interested. And he was with that God. What should you do to evangelize the young people? What should I do? And then. While praying to give a gift to the Pope, he felt God called him to give his own life as a gift to the church. Mm-hmm. He didn't know what to do. He just wrote a letter and saying, like, I offer my life. I offer all my perfumes so that the humanity can feel the love of God. I offer especially to the church and to, young peop- to the young people who are far from the church. He wrote this letter, and in the Offertory of Mass, he gave the letter to the Pope. Then, he had nothing in his mind uh, to start something. He just wanted to evangelize. With a group of young adults, they were talking once to a Canadian priest, and this priest said, mentioned about ca- coffee shops to evangelize in Canada. And he said, that's a good idea. We should do that here in Fortaleza. Let's start a snack bar to evangelize. And then that's how the the idea came up. And they started a snack bar to evangelize. Like two years after he gave his letter to the Pope with other young adults, then the Bishop came to give a blessing in the snack bar. Um, And uh, the idea was to have an evangelization center where in the entrance we have a snack bar and passing through the snack bar we would have uh, rooms for prayer groups, a chapel, a place to celebrate the Holy Eucharist. And Moisés used to say, our evangelization should start at the table and finish at the chapel, in the mm. chapel. So that's how Shalom was founded like 40 years ago. Around mm.
0: that. And he himself is a layman today, and he's consecrated? Yes, per- yeah.
1: he's um, in Shalom we have people who are life community and covenant community. Life mm. community dedicate their lives totally to the community. We live community life, life of prayer, evangelization, mm-hmm. together in community. And Moisés is life community. He's a celibate for the kingdom, which means that he's not married with a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he had a fiancé before, but he, he felt the call to be fully consecrated to God uh, in this way of poverty, obedience and chastity. And nowadays, he's also a member of the dicastery in the Vatican for lady laity family in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very simple man, a very humble man, thank God, uh, which brings a great paternity to us as the, the, mm-hmm. great, the, the whole community, especially for his love for young people. He's very active in the, and in the, in present in campings with the young people right. uh, and other events that right. we organize. Right.
0: And now you've been in New York uh, uh, two or three months. Um, And what you see there, I'm wondering like, uh, in America, New York, like the needs and maybe struggles of the young people, is it very different from Brazil? Or is it, you see similar themes?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, regarding my hometown, it's very different because my hometown is a small town. I mean, it's big, but it's not so diverse as New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe New York would be compared with São Paulo, uh, that is in the southeast of Brazil, but in New York, I believe it's even bigger. I've never been to São mm-hmm. Paulo, but New York, uh, we see people from all over the world, diversities mm-hmm. of languages, of uh, even when you talk about sexuality, of everything, you will mm-hmm. see everything from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, sports, you can see people playing all the time. It's, Which is very interesting for us to be a m- missionary there. Mm. Um, and uh, everything we want to do, there is in New York. Like I want to play volleyball on a Monday. There are people playing. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do this and that, yeah. and I can find that. So mm. uh, yeah, it's this great diversity. Mm. But as missionaries, I believe we, our presence is very recent, we arrived 11 months ago we're going to our first anniversary in the day of St John Paul the 2nd 22nd of October and um we feel like everywhere we 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 how can i say we throw the nets we can catch the fish mm. to to Christ mm. even in places that sometimes we are not expecting too much mm. but i've been to some groups, uh, meet up groups to try to evangelize and to try mm. to make friends for All Christ, right. that we make friends for Christ. Uh-huh. Uh, we hope that people will see Jesus in our lives. And it's interesting, I went to a picnic, I went to a bike riding and these guys came for a hike. Uh-huh. Then one of them is joining the prayer group and they mm. were not from the church. Mm. So um, I think people are thirsty there too, I believe. Like mm. when people come over, they want to know more. When first they are listened, when first we are welcome them as part of our family or in our family, I think they feel confident. They trust in us and they want to trust in God. Mm-hmm. They're open to spirituality. I think people there are very curious about transcendent, transcendental experiences. Mm-hmm. They want something that surprises them. Mm. And I believe what surprises them are not our greatness, because we do great things, but because we try to, I mean, we we are called to live a radicality of the gospel in the sense of living with joy, what God calls us to live. And even though we are very weak servants of the Lord, I believe they see our desire for Mm -hmm. Christ, our love for Christ, and they, they feel attracted.
0: And it, you're in Brooklyn and you're about five or six members. You have a priest with you and you're at a, connected to a parish, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have, you can sit around the parish. Um, maybe tell us too about prayer. Like what do you all teach people about prayer? And maybe if you could share some of your own prayer, how you pray?
1: Um, the, our, one of our bulwarks, the patron saints of Shalom community, we have St. Francis of Assisi and St. Teresa of Avila. And St. Teresa of Avila is the, the one who teaches us how to pray, uh, also St. Francis, in his pose love to Christ. In his, He was a man full of love to Christ, and full of love, you know that <laughs> uh, very well, Father. Uh, but yeah, we try to drink from, from this experience from St. Saint, Saint Francis. And also through Saint Teresa of Avila, this contemplative prayer. We do many things. We are doing a lot of things, but uh, prayer is the primacy of our lives as as missionaries, in our, uh, li- in our community life and everything we do. We spend the whole morning in prayer and in silence. Uh, we start with morning prayer, then we have two hours for praying, one hour of Bible study, and one hour just for contemplative prayer.
0: So morning prayer we should say like the uh, liturgy the hours yes you pray, yeah mm-hmm. and, and
1: then, then our personal
0: prayer and two hours of personal prayer or bible study and personal yes. prayer wow mm-hmm.
1: then we stop at six we have community prayer this is uh we pray with songs the whole community we are just six <laughs> uh we gather together to praise the lord to call the holy spirit sometimes it's even hard to stop the afternoon sometimes we are in the intensiveness of the the works Mm -hmm. and at 6 p.m we stop and we we go to prayer Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we spend like 50 minutes in prayer we have a moment of sharing uh also we have daily mass we we are in brooklyn in williamsburg the the our the the church that the the bishop entrusted to us is called San Damiano Mission in Williamsburg. And we have mass, daily mass with the people who come. And then we finish our day with the compliance, with the night prayer um, to, to finish the day. And once a month we have a vigil that we spend four hours before the blessed sacrament I'm telling this not just to say like, oh, we pray a lot, but it's uh, mainly to, we know that it's the source of our apostolic life and of our community life. Sometimes community life is so intense. Challenges come up, the apostolic life uh, challenges come up, but then we see, okay, this is not in my hands, it's in the hands of God. And at least I see when I do not pray well, I see that I cannot give the people what I don't have. The bishop in Panama, like to say, we cannot give to people what we don't have. So we are very involved with people. And if we don't have this life of prayer, we, we feel so much agitated with things, worried, and even centralized in our self-centeredness. And we can give just ourselves. And the idea is to give God to the people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we try to have this uh, solid life of prayer in our daily lives.
0: You know, New York has a reputation for being a, a tough place, you know, and uh, do you all, do you have trouble with that? Like people maybe taking advantage of your goodwill or uh, they come to the snack shop just to grab food and leave. <laughs> or do you, do you have to deal with tough New Yorkers sometimes? Or?
1: Yeah, I believe they do that. <laughs> we try not to be very focused on that. Uh, but, you know, like there are also some poor people who come. Yeah. And there is a, a guy, uh, he's, a, he's our friend, I mean, he comes mm. to church every day. Uh, and he, we open the church at 9 a.m. Sometimes he enters the church, he's sleeping on the bench. Mm. <laughs> we know that he's there just yeah. to sleep, but he's very yeah. discreet in his yeah. own. Yeah. And at the same time that we have freedom to give him something, we have freedom to correct him on mm. some things. Mm. Sometimes it's not so easy because they have addictions and they, mm. uh, it takes longer but i mean there are some people who who take maybe can take advantage but i think it's this the minority right. i mean and also we yeah. believe these people are needing god as well so right
0: how do you i mean a lot of young people are struggling with addictions um is that something you have to deal with frequently drugs alcohol addiction
1: yes in the church where we we are we have even a, an AA group uh, mm-hmm. every wednesday they gather there and there are many. The, the church is packed. Um, they
0: have it in the, chur- in the church itself? Or? In the
1: church itself. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, they come to the events we organize. This, this, this group is not led by us as community. Mm-hmm. They have a different mm-hmm. leader. But we also try to put ourselves available for something they need. They, can, right. they know they can talk to us and they can count on us. On something they need, and we try to also invite them to like once a month. We make a cultural party, uh, a, uh, like Italian. There is an Italian
0: festival, fest- a yeah, yeah.
1: small festival yeah. coming coming the next si- uh, the next Saturday, and um, we try to invite these people because we know that they wouldn't feel attracted to come for the prayer group, maybe, or maybe we can yeah. invite them too, but. Maybe the the little festival will be yeah. like more attractive
0: right. and
1: they're very talented guys. So uh-huh. we see like we can smell the, the drugs everywhere <laughs> all the time. <laughs> um, also, people who come, they come with, sometimes they come uh, sharing about their difficulties to overcome their addictions mm. to Uh, just to smoke uh, cigarettes, normal Mm. cigarettes, too. And also, I mean, but I think we deal more, we've been dealing more with maybe different addictions that are not just related to alcohol or drugs, but also young people who are trying to, uh, not addiction maybe, but sometimes anxiety, depression, um, uh, things related to, to human uh, these human weaknesses that many people are suffering nowadays, and also loneliness. People once, when we were on a meeting, once we invited a young adult who lives in New York to share a little bit about the young adult's life in New York, and this guy said something very interesting for us. That he said people here in New York they are always surrounded by many people. They have a good social life. They're always uh, on the pubs, in the restaurants, with their friends, having fun. But it's interesting because they live an experience of loneliness in their lives. Uh, If you go to their, if you ask them, you will see if you, also in their own, uh, their houses, in their apartments where they live, they they live this deep experience of loneliness. So while talking to them, they say, it's true, we, we do live that. We yeah. are always surrounded by people. We are, have people all over, but we feel alone. Hmm. So we, ex- we expect that the church is, a uh, our small mission there is a way to, to bring people to a family, to a spiritual family, where they can count on us and on one another who are joining the group.
0: Hmm. And let me ask you, you... For Panama World Youth Day, you spent two years in preparation. <laughs> Tell us about that experience. That's a very generous uh, endeavor. Yeah. I mean, I'm with EWTN, you know we fly in, fly out. <laughs> it's like uh, but yeah, yours.
1: Were... It was, it was a quite an adventure too. Uh, the Lord always put us in
0: <laughs> in
1: good adventures. Uh, thank God that's mm. good and to make things that we don't know how to do. (laughs) So I'm glad that the church does not count just on my capacities, human capacities, but on my desire to correspond to the, the will of God in each moment of my life. So when we arrived there, we were supposed to work in the registration team To all all pilgrims, different languages, each one of us from my community would be in charge of talking to, answering the emails, talking to the pilgrims, talking to the leaders of the groups. Um, Then I was with the English language, then it changed because they had a need on the translations team and i'm not graduated i'm not you know Mm. i am not very uh, a great translator but it was to coordinate it (laughs) Mm. Uh, just to think about what to do and then uh i think i at least goodwill i have i don't have many capacities but i have the goodwill so i i entrusted this to the lord and I, i was coordinating the translations for since when i arrived like two months after i arrived and then in the world's day, we had like five main languages for text on the webpage and the interpretation to interpret the Pope and the, in the press conferences mm-hmm. as well. So we had a good team that, mm-hmm. of 40 people from all over the world mm-hmm. with priests, nuns, lay people, um, diversity of people with different, from different communities, movements. So it was a beautiful experience. And also as missionaries, we lived with uh, some international volunteers that was something new for us as community, because mm-hmm. we usually live with our community. Mm-hmm. But also in dialogue with the church, the church said, I think it's better if the, some of the volunteers live with you, uh, also for you to live together. This, because the the idea of what we do is not just to work for the church, but also live an experience of, of spirituality, of encounter with God. Mm-hmm. So we live this with... There was a volunteer from Ecuador, another one from Poland and a French volunteer in our house.
0: Was the Poland was she the tall young woman? Uh I remember interviewing uh Yes, okay. yes. Did, there were two
1: from Poland, Bartosz and Justina. Uh, and you talked to Justina.
0: Okay. What is she doing now? She...
1: Um it's funny, after What would You Stay she got a, a job in the Polish M. In the Panamanian Embassy in Poland. <laughs> oh wow. wow. <laughs> well uh, what would you say connections uh, uh-huh. gave this fruit to her. So uh, Okay. Yeah.
0: She's back in Poland now. She's back okay. in Poland.
1: Yeah. It's beautiful. Some of the volunteers, like they started discerning, like there was one of the guys from France, he entered the seminar seminary,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Uh in France, uh from the diocese of France. Mm. Then uh, others started a vocational discernment in different communities. Hmm. Um, so thank God it was a good experience. Yeah. We had many challenges <laughs> as yeah. always, but uh, it's beautiful to see the fruitfulness of, of it too.
0: And your own spiritual life, yeah, with those challenges, being asked to do things you're not familiar with or have experienced, you know, you're very young. What how, Spiritually, how do you approach that? You know, it's like Cause you feel like you don't have like the natural capacity or experience to do this. I remember when I interviewed you, said something, I don't remember the phrase, but it was something about, you know, you just kind of trust in God and do your best, you know, kind of thing. But uh, cause you might, like, you know, you're in New York city, you know, you're starting digital platforms of evangelization. And it seems like a lot of new challenges that you have to try to figure out. How do you approach that?
1: Father, many times come to my mind, the testimony of the saints, that I see they, they didn't have many capacities. It's interesting, this, the testimony of St. Philippine Neri. Uh, I love evangelization. I love to approach people. One of the things that uh, uh, give me a deeper experience with God, prayer gives me a good, uh, great experience with God, but talking to people and seeing the needs of the people fill my heart with, I, I want to do something for God. I want to bring God to this person. But sometimes I I deal with that. I am not capable, I'm not so intelligent. If I had to talk to someone, maybe, I I won't meet the standards. But uh, I think people feel when we want, we are open to them. So the testimony of St. Philippine enlightens me a lot in the sense when he talks about, he evangelizes through friendship. He becomes friends with the people, he plays with the people, he, he is with the people, and then they, he brings people to God, uh, naturally, as mm-hmm. a testimony of God. And there is a sentence that I was reading recently from the Patriarch of Jerusalem, Monsignor Pizzabala, that he says, faith is a matter of attraction, uh, and uh, it's not a matter of compulsion, obligation. It's a matter of attraction. And then I kept this with me too. I, okay, I think I, I, I relate myself to that. I, I want to make faith attractive to the people. And to make it attractive, I, I need to be someone who, who is nice with people. Then another testimony of St. Therese of Lisieux, uh, the child Jesus from France, uh, who was a young, a young adult, a teenager when she entered the Carmelite, Carmelite Order. She talks about the way of smallness the the small way and she says i want to make great things for god but i see my smallness (laughs) and i think uh, it's contradictory it's paradoxical to talk about that Uh, sometimes we think to do things for for someone we need to do great things and this is true we try to do good things with quality but inside i need to bring this humility like Mm -hmm. i do not have anything I'm so small. And even if I were the most intelligent person in the world, I wouldn't meet the standards of something like the level of God. God is the most powerful one. So every time I know, I think things get wrong in my mission when I want to be great, when I want to be the best. And then uh, I feel we coordinate a praise and worship night. When I started coordinating the prayer, I, I put myself as the, I try to empty myself completely. Because if I'm full of myself and full of my desires and my things, I feel the prayer doesn't flow. So I think this experience constantly of emptying myself, then how can I empty myself? Uh, maybe I'm full of weariness in my mind, full of uh, things coming in my mind, but someone comes to the house. And I was like, oh my God, I need to solve, solve this problem. I need to do this. But that moment, no. This person is the most important person <laughs> right now. And I will stop everything to give attention to her. Let's sit, let's have a coffee, let's talk. Uh, let, I will listen to her. I will pray for her. Let's go to the chapel. I wanted to pray for your intentions. And then I empty myself of my things and I constantly feel like, okay, this is what mission is. It's not myself, I'm not in the center. Uh, It's not money, I'm not here for this. It's uh, God's will. And God gave me so much, and I feel so blessed for all the, everything He gave me. Uh, And that I, I cannot give nothing less than everything. I believe God is not asking a lot, but God is asking everything.
0: I don't know if you understand what I mean.
1: Like it's uh, sometimes our everything is small. It's very small, um, as the the offering of the widow. She didn't have much things to do uh, to give as the others were right. giving offerings in the temple. They have mm. many things to give. Her offering was just a coin, something very small, but it was everything. So I believe every time is like that. I am not the center. My difficulties, my problems, my sins are not the the impediment for me to to live the mission. And with simplicity, God is simple. God is love, and I love is simple. So we believe that's how we try to attract people to God mm-hmm. in our small offering, the small mm-hmm.
0: way. Have you? Uh, I don't know if you read much or meditate about like spiritual maternity like a a woman like a consecrated i think oftentimes like sisters have a spiritual maternity sharing maybe in the the blessed mothers being our spiritual mother in the order of grace and do you look at some of your ministry that way like uh, kind of being a a mother to these people that come and Mm -hmm. try to foster life nurture life in them
1: yeah I, i need to look at that in that way also because i'm a celibate for the kingdom I'm not going to get married. I mean, I'm still in the process of renewing my vows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't done my final vows yet because it's a process. But part of my call, uh, I think there is a part of my call that is uh, the sponsality with Christ of being totally His. But it comes through also part of it's my availability to people and taking care for them, of them. Uh, and I feel deeply committed to the life of young adults, uh, also in the spiritual accompaniment, in in the just simply coming to the group and being more welcoming with them and leading them to Christ and leading them to, to a deeper commitment with Christ, also in their ways of discernment, their vocation. I accompany some of the vocational discernments in the mission. We have four vo- vocational... Vo- people in vocational discernment. Uh, So I believe my celibacy and this spiritual maternity are very connected uh, in the sense of being more available to people. That's how I felt the calling to celibacy. I felt celibacy as I feel very attracted to missionary life, to evangelization. I feel celibacy gives me more availability to the mission, more time, I can Mm -hmm. spend more time with people.
0: Right, that's And take
1: care of them in their way, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for chatting with us uh it's been uh, appreciate you coming down being on the show and keep up the good work
1: thank you father all the blessings for you all